0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Amen. One Hope, you can be seated this morning. Hey, congratulations. We made it to summer. I know that if you are a teacher, you hit a wall on about Thursday night. And if you're like my wife, you have yet to recover but you're getting there. So if you're a teacher, congratulations, you made it to summer. If you are a student, congratulations, you made it to summer. If you just graduated high school or college, congratulations, you made it to the rest of your life. Good luck. That's all I'm going to say. Good luck. Today, we are going to celebrate communion at the end of the service, so if you've not picked up communion elements, I want to encourage you, feel free to stand up, go to the back, any of those exits, and pick up communion. You're not going to distract anybody in the room. You're definitely not going to distract me. We want to make sure that you have those elements that you can celebrate communion with us. Did you know that we mark and measure our lives by events? by events that happen in our lives. Major world events, they could be sporting events, they could be personal moments or big events that happen in our own lives, but we measure and we mark time based upon the events in our lives. Right, we've all been asked the question, or at least most of us have been asked the question, where were you when? Where were you when? Where were you when this major event happened, right? Where were you when something like the, the Space Shuttle Challenger, when it exploded? Where were you when that happened? Where were you when JFK was assassinated or Martin Luther King proclaimed his dream in Washington? Where were you when the Berlin Wall fell? It might be a sporting event. I remember where I was when Alabama finally broke through post-Bear Bryant, won a championship in 1992. I remember where I was when the Braves finally won a World Series in 1995. I was in eighth grade. I remember it. I measure time based on that event, as crazy as that sounds. Where were you on 9-11 when the towers fell? I remember exactly where I was. I was in my dorm room. University of Montevallo and a friend of mine from upstairs came down, knocked on the door, and he opened the door. He said, we are at war. And I had no idea what that phrase meant until I turned on the TV and we watched for the rest of the day, we watched as classes were canceled and we watched the world change because of one single event. Where were you? In 2004, I can say this because she's not in here yet, although she probably can hear me, Carla's life changed. I took her on our very first date. Now, <laughs> aside Aside from it being a date with me, obviously, how could you... Oh, there she is back there, I see. So, uh, not just me, right? But how can you forever forget the fine dining establishment of Applebee's? I mean, how do you forget something like that, right? In 2005, Hurricane Katrina became one of the most costly and devastating hurricanes to ever impact the United States. In that August of 2005, I was busy planning my own event. I was trying to plan a trip to the coast to propose to Carla. But Hurricane Katrina had other plans. Now, silver lining is it all worked out for the better. In a couple of weeks, we celebrate 17 years of being married. So that's pretty great. But, <laughs> listen, it was really, really stressful. A couple really hot-stress days... A couple really good friends and I still remember every moment of that evening. I remember the clothes that I was wearing. I remember the booth that we sat in at the restaurant we ate at that we still go to today. I remember the walk up the president's lawn at the University of Montevallo. I remember kneeling on one knee and proposing to her. I remember every moment about that day because it changed my life. It changed the trajectory of my life. My generation, we measure our life by one event, 9-11. There's pre-9-11 and now we live in a post-9-11 world. Generations of Americans measure their life and their family's life based on one event, World War II. Now, there are several events that happened during that six-year conflict, right? You have Pearl Harbor, you have D-Day on the shores of Normandy, you have Victory in Europe Day, Victory in Japan Day, all of these events that make up World War II. But that single six-year conflict marked generations of Americans. It changed their life. Today, we commemorate and we celebrate, specifically tomorrow, tomorrow. A civic holiday in our country, Memorial Day. A moment that we take a minute and we say thank you to those that served and those that died defending this country, giving us the opportunity to be here today. So can we, for a moment, can we just take a second, pause, and remember on this Memorial Day, all of those that served and changed their life and their family's lives so that we could be here today. So let's just take a second and remember. And like those civic holidays, there are calendar dates on the Christian calendar or the church calendar that we commemorate. Just like civic holidays, we have church holidays. Did you know the the church calendar actually begins with the season of Advent? Advent. Now, that doesn't mean everybody celebrates all of these events I'm about to tell you, but we at least acknowledge them during the year. Advent is a season that begins late November, early December, depending upon how the calendar falls. And it, com- it culminates with Christmas. Now, Christmas is not just a day. It's not just Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. Christmas is a season. So we have the season of Advent. Then we have a season of Christmas. Then we have an event called Epiphany. Then we have a season of Lent. Lent precedes the season of Easter. So we have all of these days, these seasons that we celebrate as believers, and it just so happens that today is one of those moments, one of those dates, that on the church Christian calendar that we celebrate. It's called Pentecost. And for hundreds and hundreds of years, millions and millions of believers have celebrated, have marked their lives, their worship, and time based on these events. And if we take each of these events—Advent, Christmas, Lent, Epiphany, Easter, and now Pentecost— if we take all of those events and we zoom out and we take a look, a wide view of what all of those events mean— What we see is the grand narrative, the grand story, the grand event of Jesus. Jesus coming, Jesus dying, Jesus ascending. And then today, Pentecost, the story of Jesus. And if Advent is the beginning, if Advent is, we'll call it the series premiere. If Advent is the series premiere, that means that today, the day of Pentecost is the series finale. Now, that doesn't mean that the church is done. That doesn't mean that God is done. What that means is that in the story of Jesus, take a wide view of that story of Jesus, the Jesus event, that moment in history where he came and lived and died, went back to the Father, that event came to its culmination on the day of Pentecost, which means that Pentecost like all of these other moments and events in our lives, changed everything. Changed everything. But what is Pentecost? What is Pentecost? Now, if you've been around church, you you probably know what Pentecost is. If you are here today and you don't have any idea what Pentecost means, if you look at the screen, those big three words, will give it away, it means the Holy Spirit. That's what we get at Pentecost. And we are told the story of Pentecost... In Acts chapter 2, where the disciples waited for the gift of and then experienced the arrival of the Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit. But before we get to that, let's just dig in a little bit of church history, of Christian Jewish tradition history, and let's establish that Pentecost has not always been a Christian celebration. Pentecost was first a Jewish celebration. It was a Jewish tradition. And for years, the Israelites celebrated the feast of Pentecost on the 50th day after Passover. So 50 days after Passover is the feast of Pentecost. And God, in the Old Testament, commanded the Israelites to celebrate three feasts, one of which was the feast of Pentecost. Now, it's For hundreds and hundreds of years, these Jewish people would celebrate this feast. No doubt, even in Jesus' time, when Jesus was alive, Jewish people would celebrate, even Jesus himself would have celebrated the feast of Pentecost. It's been determined, through archaeological and historical discoveries, that the feast of Pentecost closely coincides with the moment that, that Moses was on Mount Sinai to meet with God. So Jewish rabbis have acknowledged and affirmed that if you look at Pentecost, if you look at the timeline of how it was celebrated, that 40 days after the Israelites left Egypt, right, let my people go, they, they're free from slavery, they, they leave, they, they journey through the wilderness... And then after that, on the 50th day, after Passover, they celebrate the Feast of Pentecost because that is the moment that they acknowledge that Moses was meeting with God on Mount Sinai, receiving the tablets of stone with the Ten Commandments written on them. And so for hundreds and hundreds of years, they celebrate the Feast of Pentecost. And because I know that you love all of these numbers... I want to share another one with you from the New Testament. In Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives us this idea of what's happening. And he says, after his suffering, he presented to them and gave them convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them 40 days. That's a a good number. Remember that. 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And after this moment, 40 days after the crucifixion, Jesus ascends back to the Father, and the disciples did as Jesus commanded. They went and they waited. Now, if Jesus ascended 40 days after crucifixion, and we're talking about Pentecost, penta meaning five, how long do you think they waited for the gift of the Holy Spirit? Anybody? Ten days. They waited ten days. And then Pentecost, an event, a single event that changed the history of the world, changed the trajectory of our faith, occurred on this specific feast of pentecost a jewish celebration that we now see as a christian celebration an event that marked time then marks time now and marks a whole people even today and so we pick up in acts chapter two starting in verse one it says this when the day of pentecost came they were all together in one place Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there is so much that we could talk about on just the topic and the person of the Holy Spirit. I mean, it is the third person in the Trinity. Father, God, the Father, God, the Son, Jesus, and now the Holy Spirit. We could spend weeks talking about the Holy Spirit, but there are a few things that I want us to focus on today, on this day of Pentecost, that I think are specific and relevant to what God is telling us through the gift of the Holy Spirit and its arrival on the day Of Pentecost, a now Christian celebration. And the first is this, is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is promised and delivered. Promised and delivered. Because when Jesus was with the disciples still, before he was ascended to the Father, in John 14, he tells them exactly what's going to happen. All of this I have spoken, he says, while still with you. But the Advocate, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I said to you. Now, listen, Jesus came to this earth, lived a sinless life, died a sinner's death, all so that, so that the world might understand who God was. See, the life of Jesus exemplifies the words of God. Before Jesus came, all the world had was the voice of God calling in the wilderness, the words of God written in the law of Moses. But with the arrival of Jesus, you have someone's life now exemplifying the very words of God. John chapter one, verse 14. "The word became flesh and made His dwelling among us." No longer are we wondering, what does God really mean. Now we see with our eyes what God really means, what He really says. And for the disciples, this is difficult, because now Jesus is leaving. He's, he's leaving. But he says, I'm going to give you something better. The Holy Spirit is now going to ex- explain and represent what God means to the whole world. Not just my life, but the Spirit of God for the whole world. I am sending the advocacy. Jesus knew the whole story. Now, for the disciples, they only knew what was right in front of them. And to be perfectly honest, what was right in front of them was the living messiah what could possibly be better than that they watched jesus perform miracles they followed him everywhere he went he fed 5000 raised people from the dead and then he himself came back to life they're ready to march into rome and declare that the kingdom of god is at hand it is here and jesus says wait a minute i'm going to go to my father and like what but you're here what could possibly be better than the spirit or then Jesus, and Jesus says something better is coming. It's the Holy Spirit. And because of the Holy Spirit promised and delivered, we know that we can trust who God says he is. We can believe what he says. We can know that he will do what he says he will do. Scott talked about this last week. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit promised and delivered, we can, without a doubt, trust Jesus, because Jesus delivered on that promise. I'm going away, he says, but rest assured, I will not leave you or forsake you. I leave with you my peace. I leave with you something better than I could ever give you. I leave with you the Holy Spirit, the advocate. And the Holy Spirit came and was promised and delivered. And today, even still, the Holy Spirit is here. And that in and of itself is good, good news for all of us. We could stop right there and know that that is good news because the gift of the Spirit is promised and it's delivered. There was no oversell under deliver when it came to Jesus. There was only oversell over deliver with the gift of the Spirit promised and delivered, but that's not all. The gift of the Holy Spirit is unifying. The gift of the Spirit is unifying through the gift of the Holy Spirit. The church, a body of believers, exists around the world. Paul writes, love this passage in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord One faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Because of the Holy Spirit, we are united as one church, sent out, unified, and ready to serve to the ends of the world. That does not mean just us here at One Hope. That means all over the world, the global church, Christians, believers all over the world, because our faith, Christianity, is a shared faith. It's a shared faith. Don't let anyone ever tell you that you can practice this faith alone. You cannot. Christianity is not a faith that you can practice in isolation. It is a faith that is lived out in the context of community. A shared faith and here's how we know that it's because when we come to worship together corporately just like we are right now we don't just encounter god when we come together and corporately worship and sing and study scripture together we don't just encounter god we encounter each other just look to your left and to your right you are encountering one another So this idea of unity in the Spirit, this idea of togetherness, I I like this word, I made it up this week, this idea of one anotherness is what the gift of the Holy Spirit brings. One anotherness. See, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, we, we come to the understanding that there was at one point just one world language. But as the world grew and people began to spread out there was a group of people, and they said, Let us build a city. Let's put a tower in the middle of this city, and let's prove to the world that we don't need God, that we can make a name for ourselves. But God looks down, and He says, No, no. And He sees their pride, and He sees their presumption that they could do it alone. And God comes down. And he scatters them to the ends of the world. And in Genesis 11, it says he confuses the language of the world. And that city, from that moment on, became the city of Babel. And that happens in the book of Genesis. And then we get to the book of Acts, and we read this. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews, from every nation under heaven, When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Now, I'm going to um, excuse myself from reading all of these different nations and countries and embarrassing myself. I'm going to skip to the end, and it says, We hear them declaring... The wonders of God in our own tongues. What happened in Genesis with Babel, Pentecost served to undo. It was no accident that on the day of Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost, A celebration that required Jewish people from all over, every nation and every tongue, to gather in one city, the city of Jerusalem, and give honor to God. It's no accident that at that very moment, when the nations were gathered together, that God chose, in that instance, to pour out the Holy Spirit and unify the world. While Babel served as disconnection, Pentecost served as unification, because the gift of the Holy Spirit is unifying. Now, because I know you love all these interesting historical and traditional facts, I'm going to give you one more. In the book of Exodus chapter 32, we have the Israelites, a very impatient people. And in Exodus chapter 32, Moses is on Mount Sinai, and the Israelite people, who are very impatient decide they're going to fashion for themselves and build for themselves a golden calf, an idol to worship, in replace of God. And so they do. Now, when Moses comes off of the mountain, obviously he's going to be upset, as is the Lord God Almighty. And through the commands of the Lord, through Moses, the Bible says that 3,000 of them perished that day. Three 000. Don't forget that number, 3,000, because in Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down, floods the hearts of the disciples, and through the events of the unifying gift of the Spirit at Pentecost, 3,000 people came to know Christ in their own language for the very first time. You see, what Babel did in Genesis to bring about division in the world, and what the Israelite people did to defy the Lord in the book of Exodus, God redeemed through the power of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Because it's only the Holy Spirit that can unite what we attempt to divide. It's only the Holy Spirit because we are prone to selfishness. We are driven by individualism. And you don't think the enemy knows that? You don't think that the enemy knows that we would prefer to be alone in this world worshiping anything we can put in replace of God? But through the power and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we are unified as one body of believers, a spirit that wants more than anything than to undo what the enemy has done. Reverse the course of individualism and division and unite us under the one hope that we were called to. One faith, one Lord, one God and Father who is over all, through all, and in all. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit on this day of Pentecost, followers of Christ, are given a promise. They are unified. And they are now given purpose. Now what does that mean when we say they are given purpose? Well, the followers on the day of Pentecost, and like us today, the gift of the Holy Spirit is empowering. Given purpose. They were empowered and we are empowered. The, the empowering of the Holy Spirit is perhaps the most important, the most significant aspect of this specific, very special day of Pentecost. Why? Because it serves as the launching pad for the transformation of the whole world. It's the launching pad for the transformation of the whole world. We should point out that before now, the idea of Christianity as a global religion did not exist. If you are new to the faith, Christianity has not always been a global faith. In fact, it had very humble beginnings. A few disciples chose to follow Jesus. They watched him perform miracles and raise people from the dead. And then they saw him raised from the dead himself, appear to many over the course of 40 days. And they said, you know what, this is enough for us to believe in the words and the life of Jesus. So they chose to follow this way of Jesus, but they had no idea what they were getting into. Until this day of Pentecost, when they see a promise fulfilled, they see how it has united and enabled the world to go, and every nation and tongue and earth to hear the story of the gospel And now they realize that they too are empowered by the gift of the Holy Spirit. The same that was true for them on that day of Pentecost is true for us even today. The Spirit of God empowered them and empowers us right now. Right now, the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, empowers us to pray. The gift of the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray. Because of the sacrificial work of Jesus on the cross, we know that we can approach God's throne with confidence and receive grace and mercy in our time of need. That's what the author of Hebrews wants to encourage and express, that through the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus' death on the cross, we know that our sins are covered by the blood of Christ. We know that our lives are now have purpose. We know that our prayers can now go before the power of God through the power of the Holy Spirit because the gift of the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Just a few verses later in verse 26 in the same way The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us. See, the good news of Pentecost is that Scripture confirms that the gift of the Holy Spirit affirms our identity as children of God, empowers us to pray to the Father. But pray according to God's will and then patiently wait on the answer. We can only do those things through the power of the Holy Spirit because the gift of the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray in the name of Jesus. The gift of the Holy Spirit does not only just empower us to pray, the gift of the Holy Spirit empowers us to live a holy life. This This was the prayer that Paul prayed for all believers in his letter to the church in Ephesus. He prays this in Ephesians chapter 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, all, all of you, That you may be rooted and established in love. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. To grasp how wide, how long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge. That you may be filled to the measure with all the fullness of God. The empowering of the Holy Spirit guides and leads our lives so that we might daily be transformed, filled to the measure, made more like Christ. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is what enables us, we hear it all the time, one hope, to see a need, to feel compassion, and to act in love. See, feel act to become more like Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only through the saving grace of Jesus and the empowering and indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we can become more like him. That's the only way. See, before Pentecost, this specific Pentecost, the Spirit was available Though only for specific people, at specific times, for specific purposes. But after this world changing, life changing, faith altering event, the Holy Spirit becomes available for all people, for all time. All people, all time. Because before Pentecost, God's Spirit merely interacted with people. But now, after this event, after Pentecost, God's Spirit does not merely interact with people. It lives within people. Y'all, this is what the prophet Isaiah longed and looked for. When he expressed in the book of Isaiah, Emmanuel, God with us, what he hoped is that God would one day come near. And on that first Christmas morning, with the cry of baby Jesus in the manger, God came one step closer to humanity. God is with us, Emmanuel. But listen, on this day of Pentecost, when the Spirit flooded the hearts and fire came to rest, on the disciples, God came even closer. Not just God with us, but God in us. That is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit empowers us to pray, and it empowers us to live a holy life. It does one more thing. It empowers us to remember. It empowers us to remember our own Jesus event. It empowers us to remember our own Jesus' story. You see, the gift of the Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin and at the same time remind us of our redemption. Convict us of our sin and remind us of our redemption. See, the Holy Spirit is not just a spirit of judgment and truth. It is a spirit of grace and of mercy. It's not just a spirit that convicts us of wrongdoing, but a spirit that woos us to the saving knowledge of Christ. That is the power of the Holy Spirit reminding us of sin and helping us remember our redemption through the power of the Holy Spirit. What better example of remembering who and whose we are than looking at the life of Peter? Peter, if, if you aren't familiar with this story, Peter underwent We'll just call it an emotional roller coaster before this event on the day of Pentecost. You see, it was Peter Then, in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that Jesus was arrested, that drew his sword and sliced off the ear of the servant of the high priest, defending Jesus. Then it was Peter that not long afterwards. Denied even knowing Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. Three times. And then he watched as the man that he followed, that he defended with his sword, and then he denied, was led away to the cross to be crucified. The one who called Peter. The same one that calls us so often, like Peter, do we deny? But the empowering gift of the Spirit is calling us to remember. And like us, Jesus was not done with Peter. Because on that day of Pentecost, when the Spirit flooded Peter's heart, Peter remembered. And just before that, Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, yes. Yes, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Peter, do you love me? Three times he asks to cancel out the three denials. When Peter's heart is flooded and his mind remembers and the spirit convicts him to remember, it was Peter that on that day of Pentecost that rose up and stood up to speak to thousands that were in attendance. And because of Peter's first sermon post-Pentecost, 3,000 people were added to their number. Peter remembered Jesus in the same spirit That convicted him of his denial, reminded him of his redemption. The same spirit, a spirit of judgment and truth, a spirit of grace and mercy, a spirit that convicts us of sin, but the same spirit woos us to the Savior. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit empowers us to remember So what does this mean for all of us today? It means, it means that through the gift of the Holy Spirit that we also can remember our Jesus story. That no matter what, no matter what we've done, where we've been, what hurt we are still harboring in our hearts right now, the Holy Spirit is helping us remember our story. Showing us where we are wrong. But calling us to the redemption that we have in Christ. That's the power of the Holy Spirit given on the day of Pentecost so many years ago. Remember that event. For some of you, that event, that Jesus event happened many, many years ago. Remember for some of you, that event just has happened in the last couple of years. We've baptized over 50 people in the last 18 months. If you are one of them, remember, remember. Some of you, it might happen right now in this moment today. God is helping to remind you that through his sacrifice, there is a better story for your life. Just, just remember. Today, we remember. And through communion today, we take a moment and we remember. We remember that Christ, sitting with his disciples at the Last Supper, he took the bread and he broke the bread. And he passed it to his disciples and he said, This is my body. Take and eat, and do this in remembrance of me. And so, today, in a moment, as we take communion together, we will remember the body of Christ broken for us. And then he took the cup and he passed the cup. And with the cup, he said, Take this. This is the blood that I shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, today, we drink of the juice in a moment. And we remember the blood that Jesus shed that covers our sins. And we remember. So this morning, as the worship team comes, I want you to take a moment and I want you to remember being called by Christ. I want you to recognize the calling that Christ is putting on your heart right now to remember. Remember that life-changing event Christ came and died for you. Remember that life-changing event where the gift of the Spirit empowered you to pray and to live a holy life and to remember that sacrifice. Remember today. These altars are open. Your seats can be turned into an altar, but take a moment, and before you celebrate communion with your family or with yourself, just remember who Christ is for you. Jesus, today, we remember all that you are for all of us. Father, won't you come in this moment, call to our hearts, call to our minds, the moments that you have shown up in our lives where the Spirit has impacted us, guided us, protected us. Father, may we remember our Jesus event today, the moment that changed our life forever as we remember the moment that you changed the world forever. Jesus, we remember today. In your name we pray and celebrate and worship together. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.